Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is Froth here. Welcome to the Thought Eater Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hope you're doing well. If you celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope you had a good one. I hope you had safe travels. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, as usual, all about the three F's. Family, food, and football. So one of my goals was really to eat myself into a food coma, which I did. I lost consciousness sometime during the Detroit Lions game. Uh, but it was fun. You know, the little my daughter and her little cousins running around. And uh, so it was good. And uh, the football continued all weekend. I got to watch my Bulldogs just completely dismantle the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. But I did want to express my condolences to Rob C. from down in a heap from Minnesota, uh, ending their regular season on a hard-fought loss to Wisconsin. Speaking of Rob C., if you have not listened to last week's Hump Day Bloggerama yet, uh, Rob from down in heat was a special guest on the final topic. We were talking about maps and stuff. It was it was really fun. Um, so hopefully we'll collaborate on some stuff and maybe I can have some other folks on the, the final topic, uh, in the future. So, but anyway, uh, before we get started on session recap, we had a great session last night. Just tons of fun. Very funny. Hopefully some of that will come across in the recap, but, uh, but, uh, first we got a call in from Jason. Hey, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Enjoy the second installment of the Froth University. Looking forward to hearing more about that. It sounds like a great game. You know, every game has little hiccups and bumps. Don't fuss it. It sounds like you and your players are having a wonderful time, and that's what really matters, right? So, great job. And, you know, hit me up when you have a chance. Or not when you have a chance, but when you know your schedule. You get to the holidays, and so I can schedule that Boot Hill game so you can be in it. The Albuquerque kid needs to ride again, my friend. We'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, Jason, I appreciate that. And y'all, y'all heard Jason mention a possible Boot Hill game coming up. Uh, if you if you don't listen to the Dice or Screaming podcast, it's one of my favorites. They did it recently. Did a great uh, Boot Hill episode, all about you know the early TSR kind of gunfight simulation slash role playing game, and. Uh, I've had a character just that I rolled up just sitting around waiting for somebody to run Boot Hill, the Albuquerque kid. But yeah, you know, I I feel like uh, I feel like I'm starting to learn the the Savage World system. That's what I'm using to run this uh, 1980s horror comedy college East Texas University game, and um, I, I'm kind of starting to to learn a little bit more about it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't have a, the games really seems solid the more I run it the the one thing I'm noticing is something that it shares with kind of modern D&D like 5e and uh and 4th edition I would say especially and that is that in order to challenge the players and drain resources you really have to string multiple encounters together or have long adventuring type days cuz Savage Worlds, uh, you know, you have these bennies which allow you rerolls and everything that are kind of like a resource that that you you know you start off with several 
each session. And it's not unlike uh, 5e with, uh, you know, these powers that, you know, you can use once a day and, and these kind of things to where if you're just, if it's just like one encounter, you know, it's really hard to challenge the players. But this game isn't so much about uh, trying to, I don't know, really trying to drain resources, you know, it's... It's more about the humor and the role play and stuff, maybe more so than, than, uh, than, you know, dungeon crawls or, or these kind of things, but, or, uh, even, you know, I'm not trying to, I would like them to maybe get a little challenged from time to time, but the way these storyline works, you know, they might just encounter just one antagonist. And, uh, so they're usually, you know, pretty well charged with all their stuff. So. Um, I, I wouldn't say anyone's maybe the feeling of danger has been there, but no one's seriously been challenged yet. So that, that's one thing I would think about this game is, uh, um, in order to, to challenge players in savage worlds, you really need to string together multiple encounters and, and that kind of thing, but that's neither here nor there getting on to the show. Thanks again for the call, Jason. So, yeah, so last week, if you hadn't listened to it, it was kind of like a little couple of side quests. The way this campaign goes is there's a main storyline, and then you kind of sprinkle in these little side quest-type deals um, that don't really have anything to do with the the main storyline. So the the main storyline goes back to the first session, where at at freshman orientation, um, the party were at the auditorium called The Roost, Okay, it's the East Texas University Ravens, so they call their auditorium the Roost. And a security guard had painted runic symbols on the walls and uh, had attempted to burn all the incoming freshmen alive, presumably for some kind of ritual sacrifice. Now, the party escaped that and thwarted thwarted the uh, the security guard. But the other thing that happened is they, there were also rumors of sightings of a ghost in the auditorium and in fact Chewy Chiwinski one of the players had a rather attractive young lady who uh, used uh, Phoebe Cates from Fast Times at Ridgemont High as an avatar had approached him kind of lured him off and then ended up whispering to him that they're all going to burn and then she kind of burnt into flames and, and vanished it was like an apparition so he had seen this ghostly apparition, um, and over the next, you know, over the course of the ne- next couple of months, the party had all been experiencing uh, really bad nightmares, especially Chawinski, of, uh, of running from some unseen presence, of uh, feeling like they had something valuable, trying to hide something, but they don't know what. And uh, the nightmares have gotten progressively worse to where they're really starting to affect their their day-to-day life now. So it's right before uh, midterms and the of their freshman year. And Jackson Green, who is an associate, uh, te- like a teaching assistant for Professor Glenn Mack, these are two of the major NPCs in the campaign that are... Uh, kind of paranormal investigators and have kind of befriended the party. So anyway, um, 
Jackson Green approaches the players and uh, tells them that they have heard more rumors of ghost sightings and the, at the roost um, during the renovations going on after the fire, that they had tried to get permission from administrators to perform a ghost hunt, but of course they were laughed out of the room. And because the players encountered the ghost, uh, they, they were hoping that they might um, maybe try to sneak into the auditorium and uh, that gave them some ghost hunting equipment, some, you know, EKG monitors or whatever, not EKG, <laughs> like electromagnetic, uh, you know, ghost hunting things and uh, video cameras and, and, and this kind of thing to try to go and, and hunt the ghost and even gave them a a ritual um, called grave speak and so the party agrees to do this for a little bit of cash but the trick is with this grave speak ritual that they're going to try they needed some ritual components and this is where you know what what 80s comedy what juvenile 80s comedy is complete without a little bit of potty humor right so uh, in order to complete the ritual they, they need first a cup of human saliva, they need a cup of human urine, and then they're going to also need to get some uh, ashes of a cremated individual. I'll get to the cremation bit later, but, uh, you know, Chewinski is immediately like, oh, I've got the saliva right here. And then he's like, "This I hadn't even finished saying urine before. He was like, oh, no problem. And and he says that he's basically peed into this bag, like a Ziploc bag. And so, I don't know, you know, you, you guys will have to forgive me if, if you find this distasteful. But, you know, I, it's immediately like he hands up, you know, one of the players is playing uh, Billy, who's an 11-year-old um, genius, you know, Doogie Hauser type, youngest person to ever go to college in, in, in Texas. And so I'm making him, like... Chewinski hands him the bag and he has to make a agility check not to get urine all over him because like the bag isn't even sealed it's just like a wide open ziploc bag and he ends up making the roll and everything but but anyway so got a little silly there and then uh in order to find to get the ashes I, I just throw in there that there's like a shrine to the founder of the library and computer lab and, uh, so, and, and part of that is, has got his, the, the person's ashes there and Nathaniel, one of the players, like the kind of 1980s hacker type works at the computer lab. So they're going to go over there and try to, uh, take some of the ashes to, to have all the ritual components. So at the lab, I have a uh, bender, uh, bender's kind of like the burnout juvenile delinquent type. I have bender's nemesis, uh, Nemesis? Is there a plural for nemesis? Nemesises? <laughs> uh, the preppies kind of confront Bender, and in the process, the uh, the players kind of try to trick them and uh, and g give them the bag of urine and, and 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 you know act like it's alcohol or something and kind of dare them if there's you know whatever to to drink it and they in order to prove their toughness, kind of the preppies, I don't know, through a long, through a little bit of, uh, I had to just find some way for them to drink the urine. <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh, this recap's going well, huh? So anyway, they they kind of trick, this, deceive the preppies to think that it's alcohol, and and so one of them, uh, the 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 preppies are Preston, Creston, Ambrose, and Pierce. One of them drinks the urine, gets sick, throws up, sp- you know, spills it everywhere, and you know, so the next thing you know, a custodian is uh, is having to, to to come and clean it up, and I use the custodian avatar from from uh, uh, Breakfast Club. Anyway, enough of that. Meanwhile, the the party is breaking it, you know, going to go break into this glass case where the ashes are held, but someone's already kind of broken the lock. It looks like, and when they they open up the glass case, the, the ashes are all gone out of the little urn, and but they do find a note that's been dropped, and the note is looks like some kind of list of ritual components. So it has like fingernails, feather, uh, ashes, and, and some other you know weird items listed on there, and then also mentions it has like in the margins written you know leave cooler by such and such name at the cemetery. And so it looks like someone's gotten to the, um, you know, gotten to the ashes before them, uh, but it's left a clue about the cemetery. So the party goes and researches the name um, and finds uh, that there's a grave at the Pine Box. Pine Box is the town where East Texas University is, the Pine Box Cemetery. So. They decide they're going to head out. You know, they know that uh, someone's going to be trying to do something at the cemetery, and so they they decide to go investigate that. In order to get there, none of that. Basically, a couple players were showing up late, and one wasn't there. the The one that wasn't going to be there at all has one of the vehicles, and one of the players that was going to be late has one of the vehicles. No one else has a car, but this was actually a good thing because the party decided they were going to you know, steal one of the preppy's car, you know, and joyride it. So they go, uh, Bender's got a Slim Jim. They break into the car and, uh, and, and take off in a convertible Mercedes. Uh, they didn't have the top down cause it's, it's, uh, I guess we said it was like November, but you know, they, on top of insult to injury, making the, <laughs> making the prep preppy, uh, drink, drink urine, they also steal their car and speed off towards the Pine Box Cemetery. So they arrive at the cemetery and start uh, looking around for this tombstone, you know, uh, uh, to try to, you know, see if they can find this cooler or see what's going on. And it's not long before a girl comes running out of the woods screaming, hey, he's trying to get me, help me, help me. And I use the uh, avatar Jennifer Jason Lee from Fast Times at Ridgemont High for this. Anyway, she, uh, you know, she explains to them that this guy picked her up. They were going to go, you know, off to the cemetery to make out or whatever. And, and, uh, and then he said he really thought she had beautiful eyes and, and wanted her eyes and had a knife. So she's screaming and screaming that they need to go, that she needs help. She needs to leave. And three of the party, Chawinski, Nathaniel, and Billy decide to keep rummaging around, looking around the, uh, the, the cemetery maybe for the you know this alleged attacker and and the, the this this cooler that might have ritual components in it meanwhile bender walks the girl back to the car to stay with her and so i have her start to kind of flirt with them a little bit i think i played the motels only the lonely uh music and uh 
she starts to compliment him on Bender on his eyes and pulls a knife. And it turns out she's the, uh, the one that has been going after the ritual components. So we have a little encounter there. She stabs him, but doesn't really damage him. Um, you know, we decide that it, she actually stabs onto something in his pocket, like his switchblade or something. And he tries to, you know, tries to fend her off and fight her. And she slips and uh, says she, you know, bringing the urine back into it. She slips, car door flies open, the bag of urine spills all over. She takes off running. Chawinski, you know, this is a, this is something that's interesting. In this game, you know, in D and D, no one ever tries to grab anybody in my games. It's all stab or kill. <laughs> you know, there's never any grabbing. Whereas here, it's illegal. You know, to kill, maybe they kill a monster or something. But you know, they so they're they're trying to grab. So I'm having to think. Well, I'm having to look up the rules for grabbing because it's like a new thing. Oh, you're not trying to kill it. You know, so they they're trying to grab. Um, grab this girl uh Chawinski grabs and 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 fails and then he, he spends three bennies you know three re-rolls trying to grab her and still fails so I'm just saying that he's grabbing her but just it's she's slick with urine and he's just getting pee all over himself oh man told you there was a lot of potty humor in this one but eventually uh Bender catches back up and grabs her and she explains that she's always been, you know, made fun of or ignored, that she found a book hidden in a drawer at her sorority that promised, uh, you know, power with these rituals. And she was trying to use these uh, components to do a ritual at the grave to talk to, you know, this person buried was apparently like a warlock in the early 1900s or something. And then what was funny is Bill, you know, they eventually, they, they don't want to hurt her. They don't know what to do. They're not going to even try to turn her in or anything. And, and she's like, well, are you all just going to leave me out here? And, and Billy, the 11 year old's like, I, I guess the least we could do is take her back to town. And I'm thinking she tried to stab you, you know, she tried to, you know, kill one of you. She's covered in urine and, and, and they're thinking about actually, he's thinking about actually giving her a ride back to town. So I was just like, what does this girl have to do to, <laughs> to make him upset? Um, but anyway, they ended up leaving her there and I had her, you know, just them see her, you know, who knows, will it come back to bite them? Cause they, they leave her there and they see her in the rear view mirror, just giving them a deranged smile as they peel off. So they, Chewinski drops the, the guys back off at, at school and then goes and dumps the, the preppy's car. And leaves it with, uh, you know, urine soaked with uh, open container of alcohol and the knife from the girl, um, and leaves it all, uh, leaves the vehicle out on the outskirts of Pine Box, you know, at some seedy, you know, triple X video store, you know, uh, to hopefully maybe get them and you know get the person into trouble or whatever, you know, abandons the car there. So now the other couple of players that were running late, uh, McCooley and Barbara show up. So bring them in as the party's going to go to the, uh, to the roost. Now they have all the ritual components to investigate the ghost. Um, so, uh, Jackson Green, the teacher's assistant, 
says that they'll watch the door while the party goes in. The party doesn't even end up having to complete a ritual because as they they make their way onto the basketball uh, onto the basketball court, they are the uh, ghost manifests itself, and they all have the same vision, and it's all like they they're actually the ghosts uh, when she was alive. They actually have they share the same vision, and it shows the ghost or the, the person that was a ghost that is the ghost now, uh, hiding some kind of piece of jewelry in a clamshell locket and a trophy case there at the auditorium, then running back towards the center of the basketball floor, turning around and managing to get out the words, I'm sorry, as they burst into flame, whoever's chasing them, you know, somehow, you know, causes them to burst into flame. So the party then go find the, um, trophy case and find this talisman of some sort this cross and uh the clamshell and a clamshell case and it also says has the name nina castle on it 1940 and so now they've got this item they've got this name and lead and uh but what's weird is after they've taken the talisman their their flashlights start to kind of give out the lights, whatever ambient light was down there, dims, and really strange things happen. They start to hear jungle noises and like the sound of like a jaguar, like 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 stalking them and stuff. They run out. They you know can't really run out. They kind of feel their way out of the darkness back to the upper level, and there are a couple of security guards waiting on them. Jackson Green was unable to stop the security guards from coming in. Uh, the, the security guards are going to turn them in, you know, take them in, book them for campus security and all this kind of stuff. But they, they managed to, uh, Barbara's the sorority girls really attractive, very persuasive. So she manages to persuade them by just explaining that, that they, you know, you know, really tell them the truth. And it turns out that the, uh, sec- she rolls so well. I have the security guards be big fans of Scooby-Doo and, uh, and decide to let them off. Now, the <clears throat> the party researches the name Nina Castle and finds that it was indeed a student there in 1940 who uh, they, you know, they find an old student newspaper that says that they had burnt to death in the brand new auditorium uh, under mysterious circumstances. The case was never really solved. They don't know what that's about. Meanwhile, Nathaniel's been holding the this cross that they found and weird stuff is happening to him. Like he just walking around that day, sees lots, lots of weird insect happenings. They hear thunder when no one else does. They hear the sound of an insect screaming in a spider web and stuff. And they're, they're kind of freaked out by the, the item. So they give it to uh, Jackson green and Glenn Mac to maybe research that. And uh, <clears throat> that's actually kind of where we, we left it. Cause that's really all I had prepared so it, it you know they we end up role playing a little bit more about um uh what they're going to do over the holiday break after their midterms a little bit more about barbara you know she's having to stay in the co-ed dorm she because the really nice dorm she's rich and everything the really nice dorm is being renovated so I do a little role play with her where you know everything's going wrong with this dorm and it's you know not to her liking and not to her expectations like there's no 
there's no hot, you know, the hot water's out and I'm using the, uh, like the receptionist secretary from Ferris Bueller's day off, you know, that has like the pencils in her, in her hair and have some interaction with that. But I'll tell you, it's, I know listening to this, you can hear that it, there was a, it was a full session. There was lots of action and everything else, but it only took about two and a half hours to do all, do all this. Um, so the game was moving at a really good pace and I maybe could have even slowed it down a little bit. One interesting thing, when I look back about what I could do better and, and all this, um, you know, it, it's, it's almost, uh, counterintuitive. You, you might think when you don't know a system very well, that it's going to go really slow. And there were certainly a couple of times where I looked up a rule or whatever, but I find that the opposite is true, that you maybe rush it a little bit more when you don't know the system as well, because you're trying to maybe get to the next moment that you've prepared for. And I wasn't maybe letting the, the campaign, you know, letting the game breathe as much as I could during some of the role play. I was maybe, cause I was such an anticipation about a different scene or a different mechanical thing I had to adjudicate or whatever that I, I was almost, you know, rushing to get to those, not rushing, but I was quick to get to those points, um, as opposed to letting it breathe. <clears throat> Whereas with, with games I know really well. I, I, I'm in kind of no rush or just, you know, just kind of like let the game happen. Um, so it, it was just, I don't know. I thought I'd comment on that. It was a little, little strange that I think maybe the, 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 um, the, the less familiar I am with the game instead of it slowing the game down, I, it actually makes me rush a little bit. I wonder if that's true for anybody else. But anyway, it was a fun session. Like I say, I got a little, you know, a little potty humor, but, uh, there was a mixed, a lot of good music. in. again, we had, um, some foreigner. I've been waiting on a girl like you waiting on a girl like you. I had, uh, Jay Giles band angel is a centerfold. Um, so it looks like we'll have one more session. I'll have to look at it. That might be the end of 1982. It might be now when they come back, uh, it'll be, uh, 1983. So that was kind of the end of the 1982 music, 1983. I mean, you really have said goodbye to the seventies and you're it's hardcore eighties. That's like a 83, 84, like pure eighties years. You know what I mean? So we'll be into 1983. Um, so next session, and uh, anyway, Georgia is playing in the SEC championship next weekend. That game's at four, so I usually play my game at eight Eastern on on Saturdays. Might have to push it back like half an hour or so, just so I'm not rushing immediately from the game to the uh, from one game to to another game. But but anyway, uh, I appreciate you listening. Again, hope you had a great Thanksgiving or if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving or you're somewhere where, you know, Thanksgiving doesn't happen. I just hope you had a great weekend. And, um, and, uh, like I said, if you want to hear, uh, me and Rob C going off on some map stuff, uh, make sure you check out last week's hump day blogorama. Didn't do anything for Fridays, so you know, uh, due to the holiday, but, um, next you'll hear from me is another hump day bloggerama and uh, already the good stuff is piling up. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, if you have any messages or I appreciate Jason calling in, if you have any messages about this show or any of my other shows, you can use the anchor app or you can just go to my anchor kind of landing page 
and uh, click the message button there and leave me a message on there. And send me an email, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Check out my blog, Thought Eater blog, Google it, or go to frothsoftdnt.blogspot.com. Appreciate folks backing me on Patreon. It's only a dollar a month. If you want to support me there, patreon.com forward slash thought eater. And I think that's pretty much it. Logan, make some sweet music for us. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.